Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of What the Fintech, a podcast for fintech professionals who want to shape the future of our industry with innovation and inclusion. I'm your host, Nicole Kasperson, and today I'm sitting down with Steve Larson, a certified financial planner, advisor, and co-founder of PlannerDAO, a decentralized community of financial professionals promoting economic freedom, universal fiduciary standards, and access to financial services for all. Steve is speaking my language, and I'm so excited to dive into all things decentralized finance with him. Steve, welcome to What the Fintech. As a journalist who has covered the finance sector over the last five years, I've had the opportunity to interview and engage with some of the best minds in the space. Leaving big bank earnings reports to the boring traditional media firms, I'll focus on the tech-savvy apps, digital investing platforms, challenger banks, and payment giants to drive relevant content that looks forward to disruption instead of fearing it. I'm Nicole Kasperson, fintech journalist, and this is What the Fintech. Thank you for having me. This is this is awesome. I've enjoyed your podcast and really excited to be on here. Yay. Okay, awesome. We got a listener. That's great. So Steve, tell me about where you are working from today and just overall, how are you doing? I appreciate that. So I am in Spokane, Washington. I'm a native of the Pacific Northwest, been here most of my life. And it's a place where in July and August, you wonder why the whole world doesn't live here. And then a day like yesterday, where we have four inches of snow, you wonder why anybody lives here. So oh, uh, yesterday was shoveling and then today is pretending my back doesn't hurt. So it's going it's going pretty well. It's going pretty well. <laughs> oh man. I mean, no, I love it. I mean, anyone while actually watching this, I, I love your kind of like rustic background. It is suiting suitable yeah. to the uh, to the to the vibe there. Um but awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I do love um as we're still doing these like remote recordings and I get to yeah. see into people's homes. It's kind of like or, or their workplaces, it's like always fun to ask. Um, the other Definitely. way I love to open these conversations is learning a little bit more about you and your values. I do truly believe that um, establishes the framework of the success of the companies and, and the work that you do. So Steve, what are some of your core values and how do you translate them into the work that you do today with Planner Dow? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. So um, I think at the top of the list has to be personal freedom. I'm a big believer that people should be able to do whatever they want, as long as it doesn't interfere with somebody else's rights. And I know that's kind of a well-worn political statement, but it's true. It's true. I, you know, the, the, the more freedom people have to do, to do what they want and live the life thereafter, the more I will do to support it. And I've always felt that way. And I think it, it clarifies a lot of things. And, and the other one is, um, it, I, I think is a good companion to that which is you still need purpose and and people need to find a purpose that they believe in and something to kind of ground their actions and their beliefs around. And anything, again, anything I can do to help people find the, that purpose. So as a financial planner, it was something that came up often. It, it is, okay, what, what are we using this money for? What are we saving money for? What, what are you trying to accomplish? Are, you know, are you just trying to tell your boss to pound sand or is there kind of a higher cause here or what, what are you after? And so uh, it's very obvious to see, you know, somebody like myself who believes in these things when crypto comes along uh, is just a very obvious fit. It just pulled me right into it. And it's like, OK, here's a chance to really, really open up freedom for so many people. And it'll be so easy. It'll be so much easier to really, you know, maybe find your purpose, but but more explore your purpose, more go figure it out, more go see what other people are doing, coordinate with like minded people. So that's really the core of what I do. And so what I'm doing in crypto has been a natural fit for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, was there anything that kind of 
throughout just like your upbringing or life that kind of inspired that, right? It inspired your, uh, fa- your passion, right? Or almost like fueled that to want to, you know, enable a world, if you will, or leverage technology to have more people have that access to just being their full free selves. I mean, that yeah. is such an awesome thing to like kind of have as your North Star. Yeah, it, it really is. So I come from a, a family of entrepreneurs, you know, most everybody did their own thing. And, and you know, they, they ate what they killed, and they set their own schedule. And that's what I looked at, you know, from parents to aunts and uncles to most everybody growing up. So uh, the thought of working for somebody never really crossed my mind. Of course, I had to do it, you know, growing up and when I first graduated college and all that. Uh, but so it kind of started on the work front, you know, and then and then that probably as far as the personal freedom, probably just straight from a general disrespect for authority, unfortunately, is, is where most of that comes from. I'm, I'm one of those, <laughs> one of those troublemakers, uh, you know, I've managed to get it under control over the years, but, uh, you know, so, so that's where, that's where a lot of that comes from as far as where technology comes to play. Um, <clears throat> you know, I was in a, so this is going, so I was actually, I graduated college with a degree in information systems. Uh, and I also graduated without a cell phone. So there's a pretty <laughs> small window of those of us who didn't have a cell phone until after they graduated college. Uh, I didn't have one at all. I think I only had a couple of friends that did, but also was preparing myself, you know, for where clearly the future was going. Now, unfortunately, that was, you know, about the time the tech, bu- uh, tech bubble burst. So I ended up without a, a ton of job options. But, you know, it was very clear early on to see how revolutionary is going to be and how much more efficient things things could get. So um, and, and also we'll get into this later, but it, it was picking my major in a time when when tech was roaring and they were just handing out jobs sight unseen, you know, for $50,000 at, you know, at the airport, basically from the class that graduated before me. And then going to my class where I sent out a hundred resumes and got, got one interview and and it was just a big change. And and that's a lot of what I'm, what I'm hoping to change with what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm so excited to dive more into uh, the, the nuances and all the things you're working on at Planner Dow. But first I do want to address a little bit about, um, you know, why we are here and why we're talking about this right now. So let's talk a little bit about the article you wrote for Advisor Perspectives, where you dive into why decentralized autonomous organizations, if you didn't know, those are the DAOs that we're speaking of, are quickly captivating the crypto community. Um, today's hype is largely ha- happening because of the Constitution DAO. Uh, it, it, they failed their bid uh, for an original copy, copy of the U.S. Constitution, um, which is just like such a crazy thing in and of itself. But, um, you know, it still put that national spotlight on the DAO movement. So talk to us about DAOs and why they're gaining so much popularity for reimagining the future of um, models and hierarchies. Yeah, Constitution DAO was, was really interesting. And, and you know, I'm, I'm in this stuff every day and I was pretty late to the party to, to discover that mm-hmm. one too. And, and it's fun to see because we'll talk about this more, but so much of DAOs is just taking people who are already online and organizing people who are already in the same room. And what was fun about Constitution DAO is that it brought so many new people in who didn't know what a DAO was, didn't know how easy it was to coordinate their capital, to contribute to something bigger. So it was really exciting. So why DAOs are really gaining steam now is that it, it really is as simple as empowerment. Those who have not felt like they like they had control, like they've been left behind by the system, whatever version they might have, they now have a way to get involved and carve out their own level, method, system of involvement where they haven't in the past. It, it's really an opportunity to define your own role 
whether it be for-profit, non-profit, whatever, you're not necessarily responding to a job description and saying, hey, I can fit into this box. You know, you're saying, hey, here's the box. Who can fit the tasks into it? And I can get them done. So it's this whole reversal of, of between, um, you know, equity and labor that's happening now in DAOs, which is, which is really fascinating. So you take Constitution DAO and they're able to say, you know, if anybody wants to put a slice of their, you know, they don't hire for an administrative assistant. They say, hey, we need these tasks done. Who can do them? And you'll be rewarded in, you know, in tokens for your trouble. Uh, you know, we, we can't divide up the constitution, right? But we can have tokens that represent it and we can do that. And so that really is a pretty good analogy for what's going on out there, which is once things are tokenized, you can create a whole new menu of, of incentive structures that were never possible before. So it, it's been really exciting. And and I think a lot of people who are getting on board with DAOs, uh, back to that, my comment of them being left behind. It could have been by the economy, could have been by our political class, it could have been by people in their past that didn't believe in them. It could be any number of things. You know, it could be by an industry they never felt connected to. And, and they now they now have the tools and, and not even to fight back, just just to find their their place, I think might be a better way mm-hmm. to put it. Yeah, no, I mean it's and I, I think um, you know, getting away from just like the binary view of this or that, that's something that, you know, my first podcast guest, Lule Demissi uh, of eToro US. She, I think, did a great job of explaining that, which is, you know, we in fintech and just in these industries in general, we have to get away from like, it's either this or that. It's this and that, right? Like, why not have an option where, you know, things are decentralized? Why not have an option where folks that didn't feel connected to the maybe more traditional organizational structures or whatever it is or system of how to do it are, or not even connected, but were frankly, maybe not acknowledged by it, um, have a place to be. Like, what's so wrong with that? Why is that such a huge thing? Like, why can't we create these things, especially when we have the technology to do it? So that's why we're here. That's what, what the FinTech is about. So we love it. I want to learn more about uh, how the troublemaker went from being the troublemaker uh, with no, so with, with not wanting to uh, uh, have a sense of authority, if you will, uh, above him, to uh, founding your own DAO with Planner DAO. Um, it has more than doubled its membership in the past two months, totally, uh, with, with which makes a lot of sense and um, understandably. Um, and it is on track to hit more than a thousand members in Q1 of 2022. Talk to us about what Planner DAO really does and just like your future roadmap for growth. Yeah, and that's a great transition because a lot of the times we have discussions and it comes out as, you know, why is this company doing this? We need yeah. to get rid of this. And, you know, and then eventually it does, our, our core values do come back and it's like, okay, you know, no, we just need to create the proper alternative. And if they have business, great. If they don't have business, great. It, it's more about putting our options out there as a community as opposed to saying, hey, let's eliminate everybody else. So I, I like that you brought that into focus because, you know, as, as, um, as you know, competitive people and 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 who want it so bad, sometimes it's it's easy to lose track of that. That hey, oh yeah, wait a minute, you know, they can do what they want. We're just building what we want for we want, and and, and everything can coexist. So that that's exactly right. Um, so why the DAO is growing so much is because we do have one of those industries where people feel fairly dis- the general financial advisor doesn't feel terribly connected to the industry. It it it's it's small circles that run our large institutions, that run our associations, that, mm. that, that appear in the media. It's a very small circle of people and it's fine. You know, it's it just, it doesn't, 
it doesn't motivate or inspire anybody to jump into any of these and help out or, or make a change or have an impact. And so everybody stays pretty siloed as an advisor, uh, particularly last couple of years with no conferences. That used to be most people's yeah. only connection to, to the industry. So without conferences, people are particularly siloed. And, and this gives them an opportunity to, to break out of that and really join the community again. So one way we're leading that charge is with the certification. It's the Certified Digital Asset Advisor. And we've had about 150 people go through. We're going to have, you know, another thousand plus this year become certified to advise on digital assets. And the real distinction there is we're not here to provide the general public with advice. We're here to equip fiduciaries to do it. So we want to give people who are professional providers of advice the tools to go do it the proper way and show them how to do it in a way that's most efficient for the client with the lowest fees and the best advice and the least middlemen and you know, the most secure way possible. And so we're training the army of planners who are going to do that. And incidentally, it's not just going to be financial advisors. There's going to need to be lawyers, accountants, mm -hmm. mortgage brokers, journalists. There's going to be, need to be everybody who's going to think, yeah, I have a responsibility to deliver this advice in the right way. And so we're here to educate everybody, not just financial advisors. Anybody who wants to deliver that advice on a really high level is what we're building. And we're building in a super open and transparent way where everybody can see what's going on all the time. And that's why we're gaining so much traction right now. Mm -hmm. How does one get get in on this? Like, how do I how do I become a part of Planner DAO? Great question. So that's something most DAOs wrestle with. And we actually <laughs> just had a we had a meetup this week uh, in in Austin uh, just earlier this week. And it was one of those moments um, that you hear about with crypto people. Like I walk into a restaurant. And there's seven people who I've just seen on Zoom who I basically picture as NFTs in my mind. And they're just all there live. And I was just so overwhelmed. I was like, uh, what, what do we do? We shake hands? Like, how do we do this? It's been so long. So it was, it was really funny. But one of the main things we tackled is what makes a member of our DAO. If you mm -hmm. sign up for our community site, if you buy a token, if you join a working group, like what, like what makes a member of a DAO? And a lot of DAOs are struggling with that. You know, is it somebody who simply buys tokens? Well, that's not a very good member. You want people who contribute to whatever your cause is. And so for us, it really focuses around people who want to be a certified digital asset advisor or work towards that or support the community in a significant way, which is what we decided and really came down on as our definition. So we, are, we want everybody to come in and check us out, see what we're doing, see if there's something that's interesting, an area, a project, a group you can join and be part of. Uh, there's unlimited spots like that for everybody. As far as a governance structure, that'll be for people who take the next step and actually get their certified digital asset advisor accreditation because that signals the commitment to, hey, I will, I will, I will take the harder path here to do the right thing for people. And it'll be a pretty good long-term kind of uh, marker for us there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think um, when it comes to just like the decentralized finance and even just Web3 and NFTs and all of these, you know, wildly talked about things that are going on in the digital asset space. Um, I went to a, a, a panel uh, a discussion or event uh, in real life, actually, in the financial district um, last week. And you know, one of the things uh, that was largely talked about is just the way that, you know, 
the industry, like us in the industry, we haven't done maybe the best job at communicating really the true benefits of what a DAO does or what, you know, Web3 is or what crypto does, um, you know, right, to, to open up access to more people to have um, more financial services or just more networking or more, you know, even just digital communities. And so, um, you know, and, and educating the professionals in the industry who are constantly talking to the consumer, to the end client or the investor, right? That is like such a huge way to, to tackle that. Um, so really, you know, kudos to what you're doing here because, yeah, I'm, I mean, that's what um, even just like my podcast is largely about too, is like, how do we influence the professional community and say, hey, like we have the responsibility here to get the masses to understand what we're doing and how we're trying to actually build something good. Um, so yeah, that communication is actually like the key. It's like the, the key that we're all trying to figure out. Yeah, yeah, it is, right? And it's evolving. We're trying to figure out what it is. And you bring up a good point because like historically, it hasn't been there. So I've just been like, eh, somebody else will do it. I'll take care of my clients and hide out over here and you know, they can mm-hmm. run around and have dinners and conferences and, you know, talk about doing stuff and I'm, and I'm good, but, but that's not the answer either. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the answer either is to not try and not get involved. But one of the earliest conversations we had, we're just brainstorming use cases. And one of the, maybe one of the, maybe the second thing I wrote an outline for is how we deliver pro bono financial advice more efficiently and actually deliver it to the people who need it. So I've signed up for two or three kind of pro bono financial planning programs for CFPs, for certified financial planners over the years. And I've never been sent a client to work with. And there was an intro email that never really went anywhere. There was a, we'll get you in the system. And it's not a matter of intent. All these organizations are trying their best. They're doing their best, but but they're rotating people through. They're not organized enough. And this is one of those areas where our DAO and, you know, uh, crypto economics and the tokenomics we build can have a giant impact. And we have it, we've brainstormed all kinds of ideas now about how we can use this new incentive structure to deliver advice to people who need it most. And most everybody who I talk to is interested in this project. We're like, yes, can I actually sign up for something and do it quickly and not have to respond to 19 emails and then not, you know, and then not get to do anything? Like, how do I, how do I do this? And so we're really excited to get that going. But that's, that's another example of, when you remove a bunch of the layers who aren't even, who, who are well-intentioned, right? They're, they're just, they're, they just don't have the mechanisms to get it done. And we can build it ourselves because we know the steps. We know who needs it. We know what they need. We know at what point in their lives are needed out because we've, you know, some planners are new. Some have been going for 40 years. You know, we've talked with thousands of clients. Like we know what needs to happen. We've just never been coordinated because we always assumed somebody else was doing it. Well, it just, it's not enough. It's not happening enough. And so that's something we'll have a specific working group for in our DAO to, to see how efficient we can make that. And I, and I think it's going to be maybe the best thing to come out of this DAO long-term. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And I, I want to get into a little bit more of just like the specifics and nuances of it. So I'm going to use this Mark uh, Cuban tweet and, and quote it to do that. Uh, so Mark Cuban did tweet that the, and I quote, the future of corporations could be very different as DAOs take on legacy businesses. He even called DAOs the ultimate combination of capitalism and progressivism, <laughs> which is like crazy. Um, but, you know, it's it's a place where entrepreneurs that enable DAOs can make money. And if the community excels at governance, everyone can share in the upside. Um, so will you help us kind of dissect what Mark Cuban is getting at here and just how that impacts the space, um, yeah. especially, I guess, the, the fintech space, right? 
Yeah, for sure. So Mark Cuban absolutely loves his buzzwords. So it takes some time to, to <laughs> dissect them uh, fairly often. But I, I think what he's getting at here is that is that workers are going to own more of their own labor and and they're going to own the product that they produce and they're going to have an opportunity to participate in a way that, that they haven't before. So why DAOs are so neat isn't that, hey, corporate corporations are broken and everybody hates management and come join this big party where we all do a little bit, bit of work and get paid a ton. Like, you know, a little bit of that's going on and, and good for the people that have found those gigs. But in general, that, that's not what that's not what it's about. It, it's about the fact that you are part of the process of developing the product. You are part of delivering the service. You are a, you are a key cog in that wheel. And you are able to, to be there from the beginning and feel some ownership and not just feel ownership, right? Because I've read enough management books, you know, how do you make them, how do you make your employees act like owners? You know, mm-hmm. it starts with not giving them ownership, but then saying these things to them. It's like, yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm in the business of like tricking people anymore uh, yeah. or at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think, yeah, I don't think so. We do things anymore, but thanks. It, it, but, but now you're compensated with, with a token. And I get that that not all tokens are going to be worth something, and that and that a lot of people are still skeptical on the concept. But but that's where it all ties back to what cryptocurrency is. It's an economic incentive system we did not have before that we now have. It's something that can be practically implemented in minutes, not a theoretical thing that can never be done. Which is why it's really exciting. So it's not I value you like an owner. It's here's some tokens. You now have you know half a percent ownership if you get this done. And, and the community is the big driver of whether or not the person gets it done. So when somebody like Mark Cuban is saying, hey, DAOs are going to take over, and we're wondering why, it's, well, if you look at it from the worker's perspective, if you have some ownership of your work, you have more flexibility, you have more opportunity to create your own career path. You're not on some predefined, hey, here's how you go from associate to junior partner mm-hmm. to partner to, Ugh. you know, to, to burning out, to divorce, right? Like the usual, <laughs> the usual path. <laughs> to pain and suffering. Yeah, to yeah. pain and suffering and, you know, not being happy. And, you know, you can create your own career path that, that intersects with your life and you can get immediate feedback on it. You know, you don't have to wait for your year-end review to learn if you've done a good job or not. Like, hey, if somebody pays you and gives you another job, you're doing a good job. Keep, keep, up, keep up the good work. So if you look at it from the worker's perspective, why wouldn't they choose that? So the market for labor is going to get much more competitive because who wouldn't rather be in that world? So as those roles expand and actually start paying bills in a significant way, which they will, it'll take time, but it will, they're going to be a lot more competitive. So they're not so much going to tear down corporations. They're going to provide a, they're going to, they're going to be a huge competitive pressure for corporations to evolve and provide some of those things. Thank goodness. Something had to happen, right? It's about time, right? I mean, it's about time. I mean, and yeah, exactly. So you're, you're getting at the way that DAOs can help transform those business structures that actually retain employees and having that level of ownership that isn't just like, like you said, oh my gosh, like how many times have we all been duped, right? By like a corporate America structure where we're like told like, yeah, you have autonomy and you have all this ownership and we love you. Yes. Especially when you first start. And then like, fast forward like six months in the job or even less or whatever. And you're like, and all of a sudden I have no ownership of anything and I'm being told what to do all the time. And um, what just happened? Huh? Like I got tricked. Right. And like, why the hell are we doing that? Um, so yeah, no, I, it's, it's just so good. And I love that you mentioned kind of, it's not like trying to dismantle like 
one system, it's just creating another because it's something yeah. I just had a conversation with someone else about that, right? Like we, it gets a little tiring trying to try uh, to fix something that's so broken. So instead, why don't, what, what are we creating something new? Right. And that's, what's so ex- even more exciting about this, right. Is like, we're creating something entirely new that maybe will make the people that are running the thing that's so broken think twice, hopefully. I don't know. We'll see. We've been trying to do that for a while. So yeah, um, anyway, wow. but wanting to learn a little bit more about um, how, you know, it is the great resignation time, right? So are there any other ways that DAOs can really actually help you know, retain employees, uh, even outside of just like that ownership, or is that kind of like the main bread and butter? No, I think there's, a, I think there's a lot of ways. So, uh, taking on corporations is good, but I also think that workers will feel a lot more satisfaction. And one of the keys here is, is the constant evolution of incentive structures. So whereas employees properly managed can be instantly adaptable. So the supply of what you're creating can adapt in a second to what's going on. The incentive structures uh, in most corporations cannot. Most businesses can't change, you know, salary comp bonuses, you know, give out a percentage of the revenue, you know, for a certain project instantly. They have to change slowly over time while, while the creativity is very dynamic. And so that's what can really change in DAOs, which is the incentive structure can change block by block. You know, it can it can change every 12 seconds if it, if it needs to based on what's going on to bring in supply and demand for labor based on, based on what's happening. So I think that's a big thing. And with that, with that comes the ability to jump between jobs and you can do it without betrayal, right? So if, if you're, you're a really good writer, you can go find a great project for this DAO and then you can go write a great project for the next DAO, even on the same thing and the same topic. And you're not, you're not doing it in a dishonest way for the, for the first DAO because you're bringing your expertise to deliver what they need and, and they're not in charge of you, you know? So, so think of it kind of like continual free agency. You know, you're just constantly a free agent and you can re-up wherever you want. And again, that's going to be something that's very appealing to, to, to workers and corporations can have to adjust if they want to compete with that. Yeah, I mean, clearly legacy work models are uh, rightfully being questioned. And with DAOs gaining so much popularity during this worker revolution, the great resignation, you know, are we looking at this perfect storm that could accelerate the formation of DAOs in the professional world? I mean, I, for one, hope that this isn't just a fad. I don't think it is at all. But, you know, you never know with how things can change and uh, so fast. So, you know, how do we kind of ensure that that's not the case? Sadly, that starts with regulation, right? But that's a <laughs> that's a that's a topic for another podcast where we got to make sure this, <laughs> this thing keeps moving. But 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 short of that, the, the main way, the main advantage that DAOs have is that they create communities. So added to my list of business books that are filed away that I've read way too many of is how to build a culture, how to build a winning culture, culture Mm -hmm. this, culture that. DAOs don't have to build cultures. It's there. You show up for the culture. People people rally around the culture. Like there's already culture floating around and these people are like, hey, let's grab it and call it this. And you're like, yeah, let's do it. Not like, you know, it's not, it's not like at work where it's like mandatory fun, you know, Hey, mandatory fun time, everybody show up Hawaiian shirt day, right? We're going to create a culture because oh, <laughs> nobody wants to do that. So <laughs> there'll be the constant disadvantage and these corporations, it's not just the culture, uh, larger corporations are full of non-productive employees. <clears throat> and it's just a fact, you know, when you get that much money and, and that much revenue and you have that much scale and that big of a moat around your business, then, then you can afford to have non-productive productive employees. It's cheaper to just give them their paycheck 
you know, instead of restructure and rock the boat or be aggressive or, you know, be accused of cutting jobs or whatever it, it might be. So in these cultures of companies where there's so many non, and I don't mean to insult what everybody's doing by any means. We just, you know, they're not as efficient is the overall point here. A lot of these employees don't feel like they were part of the process. They don't feel like they built the product. They don't feel like uh, they're influential or a necessary cog in the machine. They don't feel that purpose connected to it. Whereas you go into a DAO, and if anybody's doing anything, you can convince yourself pretty quick this DAO can't survive without you. And that's a good thing. That's a great thing. Like, hey, there's nobody who will care as much as I do about my little corner. There's nobody who believes as much as I do. And, and those people are right. There, there isn't. So being in there is just this huge advantage that that's going to be really hard to really hard to replicate. So, you know, um, I, I wanted to transition to the end of your question there about to over to professional DAOs. So why we're unique is that we are combining online and offline structures in a way that I don't see anybody else doing right now. And, and if there's anybody else doing, uh, I would love to join a support group. So please, please contact me. That would be fantastic. But, but so a lot of the existing DAOs are people who are already in crypto and already online. And again, it's like, hey, let's all meet in this Discord and start talking. And then they have a DAO. And it's still really cool. It's really cool. But what we're doing is trying to take people offline. We're trying to take a very analog community and not just bring them digital, bring them one step further into crypto. So it's really challenging. And we have, we have lots of real world things we can't ignore, like regulations and software and operational structures we've built in and all these things that to coordinate these real world assets with these crypto assets, it's, it's difficult. It, it's hard and it'll take time. But it influences a lot of our choices, a lot of our decisions, a lot of how we decide to operate things as a, as a community. But I, but I, I think it's an example of, of an area that is ripe for disruption. I think professional services are because eventually they, they do end up they do end up in a small circle of people at some point. And even if DAOs end up with a leadership of a small circle of people, well, everything's still transparent and, and things are still voted on by the membership in a very real way. And there's always projects that you're asking for help on that people can get compensated for. And, and I won't pretend like DAOs won't kind of float into leaders and, you know, leaders and workers, and it won't be that different. But, but the transparency and the governance is, is what will change. And professional services are begging for this because this was the original vision for CFPs, for CPAs, for attorneys with the Bar Association, for the American Medical Association, for, you know, for, for anything and lots of professions I, I don't know anything about. This was the original vision and it was probably awesome for a few years. And then eventually, you know, the, the, the power floated to the top and they decided to use it for their own benefit. And everybody just kind of checked out and said, oh, my, all right, my, I pay you 500 years instead of 400. All right, whatever. Just here's your check. Go away. And, and so I think we have a chance to reverse that trend where you demand to know where your money's going. You demand to know what value you're getting and you, de and you demand to know, is this really how other, other people in my profession feel? Or are we all just lethargic or all just checked out and mm -hmm. DAOs are going to eliminate that. It's, it's really exciting. Uh, yeah. I mean, and just kind of like removing that, like the just all the stigmas around like your like fellow employees, they sh it should feel like a community, right? Like you shouldn't, like you said earlier, right? We shouldn't just be operating in our silos, especially in the digital world we actually live in, in this remote world we live in, it actually can be even easier to do that. Like, I know that's why I got so involved in like, even just like the Twitter community and been to it was because I 
started my jobs, uh, my last few jobs remote. So I was trying to find that community um, of like-minded people. And so, you know, why not bring that same sense to your peers and your coworkers, you know, in your job? Um, because when more employees are empowered, right, to have um, more knowledge, to understand where, you know, the money's coming from or all of the things that you just talked about, then exactly that creates just that more like equal and uh, playing field. Right. And there's, it's I like, there's no reason why we employees shouldn't also have like all of the access and freedoms to things. Um, and it shouldn't just be like, Oh, I'm so scared to like have knowledge of what's going on in my company because I don't want to get fired or I don't want to rock the boat or whatever. Right. Like all of the nonsense that we've been like fed, right. Yeah. By like traditional work structures, which is like, you're lucky to be here. So don't ask any questions. Mm -hmm. Enjoy your 3% raise every once a year and your yeah, one year review yeah. where I tell you that you're doing pretty good, but you could improve on one thing that's very minor. And here's a 3% raise. See you next year. Like, that, exactly. That, Why can't we just like make something better that actually makes people want to stay in their certain roles? Because um, yeah, the, the all the fluctuation, right? That can, that leads to like, not as organized and good structures that we're seeing, right? That, that's exactly right. So let me let me give you an example of what we're doing. It's not just enough to create them. People have to be educated about it and use it in a responsible way. So so I teach uh, adjunct at Gonzaga University, and I teach a intro to financial planning and intro to cryptocurrency class. And oh, it was the wow. first that's intro awesome. to crypto class I've taught. It's really it's really fun. I was like, how is this going to work? Like, first cool. of all, I'm going to learn I'm going to learn something because I don't I don't yeah because it's it's crazy teaching twenty year olds. <laughs> um, but but one exercise I had them do was, okay, I want you to create your own internship. So we did it following the DAO module, did a couple hours where I taught them about DAOs. I showed them examples. I said, here's some big ones. Here's what they do. Here's what it, here's what a guild is. Here's what a bounty is. Here's, you know, here's how a token works. Here's all these things. Now I want you to go find a DAO that interests you. And I want you to jump into their discord and I want you to find work that needs to be done. I want you to find a specialty and I want you to create your own internship. And I want you to see that it's possible. You don't have to wait for the email from the dean with the job board, you know, to 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 wait for, you know, to wait for the internship from Boeing to go get coffee if you're in the Northwest. Like, that's what you do. And like, you don't have to do that. You can go, you can build your own internship. You can build your own resume. You can do real life projects and, and you can even get paid for them. And the things they came back with were just amazing. And they they found Dells I'd never heard of, you know, and they were doing things I'd never heard of. And I was like, that's, I mean, that's amazing. And they all, most every single one just came back and they just had a bullet point plan for what they were going to jump in. You know, so some are going to write, some are going to manage, you know, some, some are going to trade, you know, and of course the accountant gives me like, they found some obscure DAO that needed accounting help and sends me this seven paragraph thing. And I was like, God, that's amazing. Like, that, that's way more value than you'll ever get by, you know, by, by just, you know, finding some local firm to intern with. It's all, it, it's just all so fascinating. And so I say that to bring it back to what we're doing in the DAO and the Certified Digital Asset Advisor Accreditation. Our job is to educate people how to use this in the proper way. It's not just invest in this. It's, hey, here are the opportunities that are available. And for those of us with established businesses, it's here's what's available to your kids. Here's mm -hmm. what's available to you. We have on, on both ends, all right? You, you know, your son's still in the basement. Hey, why don't you bring him in? We'll talk about this. Or on the other side, it's like, yeah, your dad retired from his sales job after 40 years and he's driving everybody insane and uh, nobody can function now because because we see that every month around here. 
And so now it's like, hey, well, I don't, what are you interested in? You know, there's, there's, there's probably a DAO, there's probably a way to contribute. Mm-hmm. And, and to be honest, one of the weaknesses of DAOs right now is there's not a lot of managers. People don't have management mm-hmm. experience who are in there. And, and it's easy to beg on managers until you, you, you see an organization try to run without somebody with management experience. And then you're like, man, we need a manager in here. So, so they, they need, people are gonna need all types of skills uh, from the real world. They're just going to have to transition a little bit or adapt to what's new, but, but anything, but anything's possible from, and it's not an age specific thing. It's really possible to find new purpose, no matter what age you are. Oh, I love that. And it's, and it's super important. Right. And, um, but I, I do think there's also just something so cool about, I mean, who would have thought that like, I mean, I don't know if they were really teaching much about crypto uh, in classes before, especially in terms of like financial planning and, and you know, and uh, DAOs. So that's so cool that you're doing that. I like I want to ask, like, is there anything that like stands out to you from your students when they're learning about it? Are they like, you know, are they getting it right away or are they like confused or how has it been like just teaching this so far? Oh, great question. It's, it's so interesting it's not enough time for them to get the technical details like how blockchain works. Um, DeFi, the finance kids get, uh, I have some non-finance. So like, you know, other business majors or people from different, different disciplines, um, you know, who generally just pick something cause they're not into finance in general. Uh, DeFi comes a little slower, but they, they get, they get like, they get like, Hey, this isn't bank. This is code saying you can get interest based on what somebody's willing to pay you. Like most people get that concept and they're like, Oh, that makes sense. So bank of America doesn't, put 2% in the middle of what's going on here. Like, yeah, see. And so that, so they get, they get that, but we really make, we really get traction when we go to NFTs. Uh, okay. That's, a, that's mm-hmm. a world they understand. You know, they understand collectibles. They understand culture, um, you know, in, in a way that I don't in a lot of ways. And so, you know, I learned quite a bit too, you know, artists and rats, people I'd never heard of. I'm just like, what <laughs> is that? I had to go home and ask my kids and uh, I don't know, but good, you know, uh, and then, it, but that in the DAO section to answer your question, uh, the NFTs in the DAOs were the were the most were the most interesting. And um, right. so yeah, yeah, and then they they got the DAOs. They they got that, you know, hey, I might not, I might not be, you know, have a life sentence to forty years at a desk here. There might be something else. So I'm excited to expand those and oh. and make them more fun and interesting in the future. Oh, I know, right? Gosh, I mean, it's only going to be so exciting to see what the next gen does with all of this, and as this continues to. Uh, kind of grow up, right? The the DAOs and the Web three and the decentralized finance world, um, yeah, grows up with them, right? And yep. so it's gonna, oh, it's just gonna be so cool to see them, you know, take this take this on and over. And um, yeah, I mean, so I do also want to get into some like rapid fire questions around uh, three crypto and blockchain topics that are uh, super popular today and honestly, like throughout the whole year, and I imagine still remain popular in twenty twenty two. Um, the first one is the metaverse and how crypto and blockchain play into the future of the metaverse. I feel like ever since Facebook changed their name to Meta, uh, we can't get away from talking about this. So what <laughs> what is the crystal ball say on that? It's hard to talk about the metaverse because nobody's been able to define it yet. You know, <laughs> instead of the Internet things, it's the it's the world of things. It's the thing of things. Right. It's things floating around there. Most people associate, of course, with with Ready Player One. And and I get it. Right. That, that makes sense. We all think this world is coming and it's going to be out there. Uh, so so I think there will be some amazing things that happen there. I think as far as digital ownership, meetups, you know, organization, I think the metaverse will be great for something like DAOs or like NFTs for immersive experiences. 
Um, you know, but but I, my my daughter's 14, and I'm talking to her a couple nights ago. You know, before she's uh, going to sleep, and you know, asking her what's going on in her life and what she's worried about, and you know, we're t- she's talking about how how can she spend more time on social media, and or I'm sorry, less time. I'm sorry, less time on social media and her frustrations, and how she doesn't yeah. necessarily you know, want to be doing this all the time, but there's pressure to do it. And she gets, it's not healthy. And, and these aren't lectures I've had to give her, like she, she knows. knows. And so I'm not saying there won't be value, but, but this world where everything's meta and we're all dying to get in, you know, maybe, maybe, it, maybe it's a very boomer take, but I don't, I don't see it. I, I don't see young people either after the initial fun wears off to want to spend all their time in VR goggles. Like that just, that doesn't seem like a thing that's going to happen to me. But again, happy to happy to be proven wrong there, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, wow. Awesome. Way to go for your daughter. That is awesome for her to just recognize that. And that's something I've noticed with, the, you know, even like, I mean, I don't have any kids, but my younger cousins that are, you know, teens and they're Gen Zers and they've grown up with this technology. And, um, you know, especially a lot of them going through high school with the pandemic, right, and not getting to go to real life class and real life things or homecoming or all the things that prom, whatever those, whatever the kids are doing these days in high school and and all that, but like to not have those real life experiences, it actually makes them crave it more, which is so funny because that was like the opposite, right? Of like how, at least I'm a millennial. I identify as a millennial, um, but (laughs) technically a millennial. And, um, but like, I, like you crave those outside experiences, um, but it's like opposite now because we used to be so excited for the online experience and we still are, but exactly like imagine being a kid and going and feeling that pressure from so early on, you know, we know a world where that's not the case. So it's maybe almost like easier for us to tap into our memory and say like, we, I remember a time when this, there wasn't so much pressure, but like someone like your daughter does it. And so, yeah, that's actually really an interesting take. I will say I'm a big fan of my Oculus yeah, are you? I, nice. I have a lot of fun there. Um, but do I want to be there all the time? No, no, I do take the goggles off and, um, and appreciate real world. And, you know, even myself, I have to tell myself to stop with the social and all that stuff. Yeah. So um, it, it, it's hard. It's hard, right? And, and that world, that world will be very popular if it can provide for purpose or if it can distract you from a lack of purpose, right? It, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it just unfortunately, those, those are the options where it's going to be big. And I hope we get to the point where it can where it can help you find purpose, uh, amplify your purpose, spread your purpose, as opposed to being a way to check out from your lack of yeah. purpose, like most addictions end up being in a lot of ways. Oh, exactly. I mean, we can only hope that, you know, we are able to actually leverage the technology that we have to fuel good behaviors and um, instead of bad ones. Uh, but yeah. that's, oh, that's a tough thing. All right. The next topic is Ethereum. Is that your asset class of the year? Why or why not? Okay. So uh, Ether is my asset class of the century. Uh, I'm not shy about it. I, I think it's I am all Ethereum network all the time, specifically the asset Ether. Now that doesn't mean I'm an ETH maxi. It doesn't mean I don't think there's going to be other winners and there's going to be plenty to go around because I do. But by any available metric, uh, Ethereum's the winner hands down. So uh, they don't have the market cap Bitcoin has, but they have 10 times the market cap of any other chain. And then if you look at volume, transactions, demand, block space usage, number of developers, number of real world applications, use cases, potential, like it's not like, it's not like they're barely ahead of anybody. Like they are it and there's no one else. So 
Um, I know people are trying to talk about this whole cross-chain world and interchain and multiple chains and these alt chains, and there will be lots of chains eventually. But to not start with, yes, but Ethereum is clearly the dominant factor and will be for the foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah I'm not afraid to say it that boldly. It's it, That's where all the action is. All right. All right. Ooh, I love it. I love the confidence there. Um, so awesome. All right. Topic three. Will NFTs maintain their hype and growth? Um, I originally was going to say in 2022, but let's like expand that to like five, 10 years out, right? Like are NFTs going to still just be as like hype worthy? Will they normalize? What, what, what do you think? Yeah, they, the hype will continue. And NFTs are such a broad category that I think we stop hearing the term NFT as much and start seeing subcategories of NFTs within there. So technically the stuff you own on, you, you own on games, play to earn games. Those are NFTs, you know, collectibles you buy in OpenSea are NFTs. Um, I saw an awesome NFT in your newsletter the other day. You have your own <laughs> NFT, which is great. Went to try to, yeah. went to try to buy those, but couldn't find them. But that, you know, so it, they're really going to split into, into categories, I think. And I don't know what they'll be called. So NFTs will be this broad category and then we'll have all these subcategories. But but it's like anything, they'll be used for for niche things and not meant to have value, just meant to be cool. Um, then they'll be the ones that focus on on scarcity and those will be the ones with the real value. So so to date myself again a little bit, uh, you know, collected baseball cards growing up and in the 80s it was awesome. Late 80s, we get cards. We could go get, you know, each player had like four brands. You'd go get like, you know, the Fleer, Tops, Donruss, you know, eventually Upper Deck card. And you'd have like the four cards they had. And sometimes there's a couple bonus ones. And then in, uh, you know, 1990 came around and the card companies were making so much money. Not only did they like print, print 10 times as many cards, then they introduced like eight cards of each good player. And now you had to collect all these things. And there wasn't any scarcity because they just printed unlimited and they weren't worth anything and they just devalued all of them. And for any Gen Xers that are watching uh, or listening, they'll know I'm talking about 90s Donruss and they'll appreciate that I that I threw that out there. <laughs> uh, but but they ruined they ruined baseball cards because they eliminated the scarcity and they eliminated mm. the cool factor. And so NFTs are going to go through a period like that as well, in my opinion. It doesn't mean that the elite, so the elite ones with scarcity will continue to be just as big of a deal, but the, Hey, here's another collectible. Here's another board ape. I don't know. I, 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 I think we're about there personally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. You know, I could agree with you. Um, this is awesome. No, I, I, I can't wait to see how all of it shakes out. It is um, such a wild ride we're on, but I'm excited to be here. I'm thinking about changing my my Twitter picture to my NFT now. And so oh, um, we'll see. I'm, it's going to become official. Uh, when do I get laser eyes? I don't know. Uh, someone's <laughs> got to someone's got to do that for me. But anyway, this is awesome. Thank you so much, Steve, for all of this insight. Uh, such a cool episode. Really, my my first truly diving into this space. So thank you for that. I will ask you my final question, which is really just to share with us, Steve, what the F we can expect from you and Planner Dow next. Yeah. So, so for me, it it is Planner Dow. That's where I'm spending my time. That's so, and sometimes I, you know, consult with other businesses or founders or whatever. And, and, and what I try to teach them is leverage. You know, anytime you can leverage your time into something greater or leverage your decisions, that's where, that's where you need to spend it. And so, for me, spending my time in the Dow, I think, is the best way to leverage what I believe in and what I want to accomplish into things that are much bigger. So the Dow has several things going in. It's just to continue to build. It's to provide more transparency. It's to become a bigger tent. 
It's to become the fiduciary standard for digital asset education uh, to make sure that we are always the most transparent, always the most fair, always the most honest, and we're out there. Um, and, and then it's to solve some of these challenges like providing pro bono financial work for, for people who need it. So you'll see a lot of things coming from Planner Dow. We're moving at an absolutely reckless pace, uh, which is, I think, the only way any of us would have it. And we're going to set records for failing fast, set my previous records, because I'm pretty capable in that regard. Uh, we're going to break those records by a long shot. But at the other end of it, we're, we're going to hopefully lay the groundwork for how a professional industry can incorporate these tools and these tactics and these ideas to, to, to benefit everybody and benefit everybody who wants to see a, a better future for their for their profession. Well said. What great final thoughts. Thank you so much, Steve, for joining us. This is such a fun episode. I can't wait for everyone to listen in. Thanks for your time today. It was awesome to be on here. I'm honored and keep up the good work. We need more. We need more honest voices in fintech. Ah, oh, thank you. Thank you. I agree. And same with you. I really appreciate your honesty, your transparency, your authenticity, you know, even something as much as just being of saying like, I'm not afraid to fail or, um, yeah. you know, a lot of the things that you've said are like creating new systems, just amazing work across the board. So we're, we're doing the work as we like to say uh, together. So that's, that's awesome. It takes yeah. all of us on board. Um, but thank you again, Steve, for joining us. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you loved this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You can find me on all your favorite podcast platforms. And I'll be sure to put all things about Planner Dow and Steve in the show notes. Until next time, talk to you soon.